Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. It is estimated that more than 60 million Indians suffer from mental disorders and that 10 to 20 million of them are dealing with severe conditions like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. India has one of the highest prevalences of mental illnesses globally. The National Mental Health Survey 2016 said 14% of the population requires active mental health interventions and about 2 lakh Indians commit suicide every year. The statistics are even higher if you include attempts to suicide. One in every seven Indians is thought to suffer from some depressive or anxiety disorder. We are in the midst of a mental health epidemic. All Indians matter. We have on the show Daniel Lobo, CEO and founder of BecauseU.in. Founded in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic in September 2020, Because You is a mental health social enterprise that supports individuals and organizations to thrive irrespective of their emotional distress. It focuses on building a strong, close-knit community to strengthen each person's capacity for greater awareness, connection and resilience. Because You also works with organizations to create a safe and sensitive culture towards mental health and with non-profits to empower their first responders to deal and heal from the current adversities of the pandemic. Because You was founded by Daniel as a result of his own tryst with bipolar disorder. Diagnosed six years ago, Daniel, Daniel has shown how those with mental health struggles can live a high-performing and full life with the right support. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you, Ashraf. Lovely being here. Thanks for having me. Daniel, help us understand the different types of mental health issues. That's such an important question to start on because it's quite a complex question. So one of the ways I like to look at it is looking at it as a spectrum. So on one side, you have healthy, thriving individuals. And on the other side, it's you know people who deal with maybe severe mental health issues. And there's everything in between, you know. And the importance of looking at it like this is because even some of us, me included, who deal with a severe mental health issue can always move up, you know, the spectrum, right? And it's it's always a journey of starting to feel better and then you don't feel better and you keep moving uh, on the right side of the spectrum. So it's, it's important to almost think of it that way that all of us might be struggling with a diagnosable mental health condition. We might be struggling with just emotional distress, burnout, grief, whatever it is. But on remembering that having something out there which says I can still thrive as an individual is really, really important. How does anyone know they need professional help for their mental health? So there are a few things. I think all of us have good and bad days, right? Um, all of us might start to feel anxious about certain things if they're not going well. If you think about what's happening over the last two years, the pandemic, it's unprecedented. Absolutely. And then so many conversations have happened about mental health during the pandemic. Yeah. And we haven't been able to go out. There's no boundaries. We're stuck. We're alone. You know, there's so much happening right now. And almost knowing when to go for professional help is quite an important point, right? So I always say, if there's something that's happening to you for a fairly long period of time which you're just not able to explain why it's happening if you're you know waking up in the morning and just not feeling like getting out of bed for example it might happen to us once or twice if it continues for more than two three weeks there's something to note 
right? If you're starting to feel anxious, if you're starting to feel some sort of anxiety attacks and they don't go away after a certain time, you know you need to do something about it. If like whatever you've been trying just isn't working and you're just, you feel stuck, you might need professional help. So I think people sometimes think professional help just means someone's going to give you medicines and you're going to get fine. But the problem about the opportunity of mental health is that it is so complex that there are multiple ways to for people to almost ask for help and support, right? So one way is maybe a low-touch, you know, maybe a group support system like because you, another could be one-on-one therapy, which is mainly just a safe space to speak to someone for them to shine a light on what could be useful for you. Another could be a psychiatrist who can actually diagnose and give you medicines. So there are multiple layers of, you know, professional help you can seek out. But I think the, you know, quote I like is, if you have a brain, there's probably something wrong with you. (laughs) So all of us at some point in, in time might need therapy, might need professional help. And the sooner you get to it, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about the societal aspect for a second. Now, the tendency in society is to simply label a person with mental health struggles as mad. What are the social issues or social stigmas associated with such issues and how do they impact those who suffer from them? Yeah, so I think there are fantastic question again. I think it's there are multiple different stigmas, right? On one hand... The easiest thing that we probably hear is snap out of it. You know, it's just in your head. Go for a walk, you'll be fine. Go meet your friends, you'll be fine, right? Now, for someone who's like maybe lying in bed for 10 days, that's very, very difficult to, you know, it's not just something you snap out of, right? Usually mental health issues happen for multiple different reasons, including things that are traumatic in our childhood, you know, transgenerational trauma is what we call it. And like when it really hits, it's quite difficult to kind of, you know, move on and get on with life. So acknowledging that, yes, someone I know might be going through something difficult and they can't just snap out of it is one big stigma. I think the other big stigma I've seen is, you know, when we say, oh, this person is depressed or anxious, it suddenly means that their capacity to perform as a human being or be a full human being is suddenly reduced, right? He's like, got something wrong with him. What should, you know, maybe be a little careful. And I think that's, again, if you think about that spectrum, all of us can move back up that spectrum where we can say we can be thriving. You know, I have bipolar disorder. If you speak to me, you probably don't think I'm mad, right? I'm I'm fairly even keel right now. Uh, (laughs) I can still crack a few jokes here and there and still travel the world, have a family, all that stuff. So people with mental health issues, we are creative, we are wise, we can have a full life. That's what I truly believe, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest stigmas like I like, I'd love to stamp out in my lifetime. Daniel, those who suffer from these issues can exhibit some extreme emotions. How can the people around them help? Because what we find is that very often the people around them don't know what to do when something like this strikes. Yeah. So, so on one hand, you have extreme emotions. On the other, you could also have emotions which may not be extreme, right? It may just be that you can't explain it. So for someone with, say, anxiety, going to a party and having a good time is very, very difficult, you know? And you may not think that's an extreme reaction, but you may not understand that, right? 
On the other hand, you might, you know, something like with bipolar and with schizophrenia, for example, like there are times where the emotions are through the roof, you know, and it's quite difficult to then manage it. So I think, again, there are different grades, there are different levels. And one of the things that everyone around needs to do, and all of us, it's not just people dealing with mental health issues, but all of us need to just amp up our knowledge on, you know, mental health issues and symptoms and what do we do and what we shouldn't do because it's quite complex, right? So I think that's one. So just reading up, like just being, if for example, your wife has depression, right? She's been diagnosed as depression. You as a caregiver need to know everything there is to know about depression. It's not just a duty, it's a gift that you can give your wife and yourself. Then it just makes things much easier. Try to understand. So there's a knowledge building piece, which I think is really important. I think the second thing is, and this my wife did beautifully for me, is have a balance between holding you to a high standard as well as knowing when to be gentle and just knowing that, okay, maybe today we need to let them be, you know? And that is so difficult for caregivers because someone who I know and love and who I see travel around the world Tomorrow, if they're not able to get up and brush their teeth, like, what am I supposed to do, right? So how do you keep that balance between saying, yes, I know you can't do that, but, you know, can you go down and have a walk, for example? Like, slowly keep, you know, almost pushing them, but gently. And then there are some days where you say, okay, you know, I can't do anything. It's okay. Don't worry. Just sleep. And then tomorrow we'll try it again, right? So that's the second thing, knowing the balance. I think the third thing which is critical is caregivers or people around knowing that they have to take care of themselves because it's really, really difficult for caregivers, especially with people with, you know, I would say chronic mental health issues or people who are dealing with it for a long time. Caregivers get impacted immediately, right? They not just have to take care of someone or even deal with someone. They have their home, they have their work to deal with. So it's a lot of pressure. So learning to almost be gentle on yourself is extremely important. So yeah, those are kind of three things that I can think of. Knowledge, having the balance between pushing and, you know, being gentle, and then really taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think those are all three critical points. Daniel, what are the broad treatments for mental health issues and how long do they take? I understand that all mental health issues are not the same. You already referred to a wide spectrum, but broadly speaking. Yeah, so broadly speaking, I, I think, if you look at it as, you know, there's always self-work that you can do, right? You can build up your own knowledge. You can maybe go for different types of workshops. You can go for, you know, try different methods of wellness, for example, whether it's meditation, yoga, movement, you know, different things, right? And then if you keep going on that ladder, you can also, you know, therapy is one way of like just working on yourself, that's one-on-one -on -one therapy. And in therapy, there are multiple types. So usually what a therapist would do is, you know, depending on where the client is, figure out what really works. Right? So there are multiple modalities, multiple methodologies, and the really good therapists have everything in their back pocket. And it's almost like, okay, this person today might need, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Tomorrow, this person might need somatic based uh, experiencing, which is what is happening in the body. So therapy by itself is a large field, which are, there are multiple things. And obviously, you know, like a lot of people go directly to the psychiatrist. 
which is also, you know, very valid. So I have a psychiatrist, I take meds, you can go down that route as well. The complexity lies in the fact that there is no silver bullet. <laughs> like, it's not like, if I take this medicine every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's something also that's really lost on people, the people around the patients. In fact, there is no silver bullet. Yeah, so it, there is no silver bullet. There is no, you know, go to a doctor, you'll get it fixed. It's not like, you know, blood pressure where you can control it and get on with life. You will keep going up and down and you need to do multiple things. So the way I like to talk about it is talk about what are the foundational things you need to know, right? So whether it's therapy, whether it's medicines, whether it's taking care of the fact that you need to sleep, like sleep is the single most useful thing that anyone can do to control or, you know, to deal with mental health stuff, right? Sleep a good eight hours, have a good nighttime routine, have a good morning routine, move a lot, play sports, do go to the gym, whatever. These are foundational, right? You have to do this. Whether you deal with a mental health issue or you're just a regular, like normal, like, you know, you're just going on with life. All of us need to do this. On top of that, it's the bricks and mortar of the house. You know, then you start to say, okay, now I'm starting to survive. You know, I'm like, I can start to function in the world quite well. Now, how do I build up my capacity as an individual? Right. And that's when you start to try out different, whether it's therapies, workshops, you know, there are so many things out there. It's almost like going to a buffet, right? You need to try out different things. Let's try out something. Some, you know, you might like the tandoori paneer and let's like, just try that out a little bit more. Maybe that therapy will work for you and maybe you don't like it. So try something else. So I believe that you try out something, stick with something that works with you and build a consistent habit. And knowing that, you know, that a disorder or an issue is like a label. Like That's why I started the thing by saying it's a spectrum. A label is useful. So the fact that I have bipolar disorder, fine, it's useful because it helps you manage the condition. But if it should never stop us from, you know, doing and like living life to the fullest, you know. So the moment it starts to hamper you the way you think, you should just get out of the labels like business. It's just not useful for anyone. What about you, Daniel? How did you discover that you had bipolar disorder and what happened immediately after you discovered it? Yeah, thanks for asking. So for me, it was lots of different things. So my dad dealt with, you know, bipolar disorder for almost 40 years. So I saw him in his journey of, you know, severe depression most of the time, but I never understood it, right? I didn't know what bipolar disorder was. So for me, when it happened, it was a function of multiple things. Obviously, there's a genetic thing with all mental health issues, in fact. But there was a strong genetic component with kind of, you know, triggered for me. And it was triggered because I was traveling massively. I remember I was in the US for a month and I came back to India and three days later I was in Hong Kong. So I was literally traveling east to west. And one of the things that, you know, that's why I talk about sleep. If you don't get good sleep, your circadian rhythm is affected. And when that happens, something could trigger, you know, so it's been, it was probably built up. That was one reason, you know, there's lots of research which talks about trauma and how that impacts you. So yeah, so when I was in Hong Kong, it kind of flared up. I got into what they call a manic episode where you kind of almost lose touch with reality. You know, you can think of that as someone who's like the person who you are, you're seeing and hearing right now is not the person you would see in Hong Kong, right? That person is, I was really excitable. I was talking constantly, like very loud, sleep for one or two hours in the night. 
I would just wake up with a million ideas in my head. And it was quite, you know, everyone around me suddenly said, oh, wow, there's something, something's up. We need to, you know, figure this out. So we came back to, you know, Bombay. I went to the psychiatrist. He did all my history and he said, I'm sorry, but this is what you have. I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine, doc. Don't worry, I'm, I'll be okay. He said, okay, that's fine. You know, you're okay right now, but about six months from now, you're going to hit a dip. You know, and that's what characterizes bipolar. So you go high, really high one day where you feel you're the king of the world. And in a couple of months, you're going to go really low where you get depressed. And that's what kind of happened to me. And that's when it kind of hit me that I said, oh, okay, this is what I have. And it, intellectually, it made sense because I knew all the symptoms. But I think, you know, to really accept it <laughs> took a long time. And that is one of the biggest challenges that all of us face with mental health stuff that... To actually accept that you might have something is it's almost like a blow on your ego. It's like, oh, you know, it's, it can't happen to me. It can happen to everyone else. So, yeah, that's my journey. But accepting it would also be the first step, wouldn't it, towards uh, progress? It's a, it's a massive first step. And it's not an easy step because it's so complex, right? And like in the case of bipolar disorder, for example, the thing about spectrum is all mental health issues share certain commonalities, you know, so... There's, there's so much of misdiagnosis that happens in the country. There's so much of, you know, self-medication that happens in the country that having a label also that fits what you have is very difficult. You know, so I totally like empathize with people who are not accepting because it's a complex journey. But when you do accept it and also keeping in mind that, yes, a label is useful, but it's not the end of the world, that is critical Yes, I have bipolar disorder, but so what? Now what do I do? I still want to live a full life. I want to have a family. I want to have a career, right? And that's what really spurred me on. And that's what I've been doing for the last six years, in fact, trying to figure out what works for me. Yeah. So speaking of journeys, Daniel, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned the last six years and that it's a journey. How did you manage to get life back on an even keel? And what did it take? Who helped you? First, I think it was my wife. She's this amazing, intuitive person who knows me better than I know myself. So I think she did a lot of research when I was going through all the symptoms. And she very gently told me, like, you know, this is what you have, but I didn't listen to her at that time. But I think, you know, from the depression phase is really difficult, right? And having someone who's there, who can understand, who pushes you is really, like, I think it was a gift for me. So that was one. I think my friends, and I was very open about what I had because luckily I was in a setup, I was in a global company which was open to, you know, mental health issues, which, you know, in many cases is not the case. So I was very open about it and it normalized conversations. Those are basic stuff. Then I took meds, I did a bit of therapy. So all the basic stuff I covered and that took me at least a year right, to get the basics in place. The sleeping, a little bit of exercising, the going out for a walk, the, all that took in place. And then I think it was almost like, okay, now what? How do I move to the next level? Right? So then I started to realize that for bipolar disorder especially, but for any mental health issue, self-awareness is foundational. It's the best skill that you can build for, you know, as a human being, but especially when you have a mental health issue. And that means, you know, I need to know if my mood is going a little lower or if it's going higher, right? So then I started this thing of building up my self-awareness, listening to my body, you know, if suddenly I, this today I realize that, you know, my mood is going a little lower, what do I do to bring it up? I tried out lots of different things. So I tried, you know, meditation, mindfulness, different types of, you know, I read a lot, 
I'm generally quite a spiritual person, not from a rituals point of view, but from a knowledge point of view. So I read a lot of, you know, different religions and found out the essence and that really centers you as, you know, someone who's going through a journey. And I think over time, you know, like, I think I realized that, okay, here are a few things that really work for me and I need to just consistently build a routine. So that's kind of an overarching thing. But I think I also just want to underline that by saying, I also have my really bad days, right? So the difficult part about mental health stuff is you go two steps ahead, but then after a week or two months, you can go back five steps. And that is why it's really difficult. You suddenly feel like you've healed or you've you know overcome something big and then there's a trigger or something happens, you haven't slept, whatever, and you're right back where you started. So the consistency, the faith that you know, I can do this, like that is so integral and it builds up over a period of time. So, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, I think that is a really important message, right? That it is a journey. It will take time. The fact that I have been open about my mental health issues does not mean that you have to be open about your mental health issues. If you just want to work on it yourself, go to a therapist. It's a one-on-one thing or speak to your wife or your king. That's totally up to you. When you're ready, you can speak to other people. You know, so each person is different and each one needs something different. But, you know, it's almost like putting a stake in the ground and saying, yeah, okay, today is the first day of my journey. I'm going to do everything I can. Daniel, you're an example of someone who has lived a full life despite suffering from a severe mental health issue, bipolar disorder. I know you've already spoken a lot about how others can deal with it. But is there any other advice that you can give others? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think... Taking the time, for firstly, know that what we're going through is unprecedented, right? Like whatever mental health issues might have been there already in the past, it's now amplified two times. So the journey has just got, you know, much longer in a way. So I think the bit around patience is really, really important. The fact that we have to be gentle on ourselves, that, you know, every day might be a struggle. And, you know, celebrating the small successes is really, really important, right? If today I can't go for a marathon, it's fine. If I can go for a walk around my park, that is a big achievement. Celebrate it, you know? The other thing which I think I really want to say is, I heard this, someone said, you are, you know, uh, going through a mental health issue or going through a really bad day is like a cloudy sky, You know, there are dark clouds above and it feels like that. You know, it's quite difficult. But always remember that you are the blue sky behind. You know, you are always there. You as a person, you're a full person. You're always there. And this will always pass. So it's quite a Buddhist philosophy in some ways. It's transient. It will move. And keeping that faith is really important. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's apart from everything else I said, I think those three messages are important. I want to talk about the focus on mental health disorders within the larger healthcare conversation. In the last union budget, and we've got another budget coming up as we record this. In the last union budget, 597 crore rupees were set aside for mental health from an overall healthcare corpus of 71,269 crore. However, the National Mental Health Program actually got only rupees 40 crore from this, with the rest uh, of the 597 crore going to institutions like the National Institute of Mental Health and Sciences, better known as NIMHANS. The problem with this model is that those who need it lower down the socioeconomic chain, 
such as those who can only access primary healthcare centers don't get access to good mental health care what are your views on this yeah thanks for asking this question i think it's a amazingly important question that we've been struggling with for a very long time right so firstly it's not just an india thing i think it's a global issue that countries spend very small amounts on their health budgets obviously in big developing countries that amount is up anywhere between 5 to 18% in the really good progressive countries in india if i'm not wrong if my math is right it's about 0.05% of our national health budget and that's abysmally low so what you said about the nimans the big institutes like if you think about nimans right it's an amazing institute they've done amazing work but they're also regionally focused they're based in bangalore right how do you create a system which is decentralized which does not depend on institutes that can be all across india right there are amazing ngos that are working in the mental health space can we give them more support can we bring them onto the conversation in some way so that's one piece which is just how do you decentralize it how do you bring you know ngos or other players like social enterprise like because you onto the table in in some ways to deal with this the second big thing is this awareness right so i think there's a lot of awareness being done now through mostly private institutes right so you hear of the live love life the uh, deepika patkorn foundation there are multiple good private foundations doing mental health awareness work especially in the upper middle class the awareness is quite high now but do we have something like the polio awareness campaign right where it was so successful all across india could we do something like that uh, on a national scale for example right so it's just that we know we have a problem but we are not addressing it with the urgency of the problem that is there you know so once that sort of link is there it becomes it's almost like we have the capacity as with the public infrastructure with the awareness we can do it as a country we've done it with physical health stuff you know the same infrastructure and brains need to be put on the mental health stuff i think those are one a couple of thoughts and then i think uh, you know this is a softer element but having people with lived experience be part of the narrative and conversation is really important right so it's almost like we are making policies without having people who are affected by the policies have any agency right so this is again a global conversation that's happening with at the stg level after many many years now at the stg level there is a mental health you know focus at starting to be there but it's not there at the level it needs to be there so yeah bringing in you know people with lived experience is also really important i think also when you say stg i just want to clarify for our listeners what that means sure so sdgs are sustainable development goals that you know is worldwide it has it's got multiple different goals i think it's 18 or 19 if i'm not wrong and under that is you know multiple different things and i think mental health was finally included a few years ago and in fact i'm part of a working group that's global in nature where we have social entrepreneurs and ngo leaders uh, where we're looking at how do you move the needle at a global scale on the sdgs you know because it's not just enough that each of us work in our own country but it needs to be at a global scale so the urgency that we are seeing now with climate change which is a you know future problem in a sense but now we are starting to see the effects of it the urgency we have with climate change that's what i really want to see with you know mental health right now no let's not wait too much also daniel i'm glad you raised the point about polio eradication and awareness earlier 
and uh, the reason i asked this is because we were successful on polio because we had complete political backing across the spectrum and also tremendously good policy level work so with mental health becoming an area of concern especially because of the covid-19 pandemic what would you like to see at the policy and executional level and i know you said some of it before but if you could expand on that yeah sure so firstly i think you know the mental health care act that's already been implemented right i think it was 2017 or 18 if i'm not wrong firstly that's a really good act if you just look at the principle of the document and the you know the provisions within it seems like it's a really progressive um, policy which many other countries actually don't even have you know but again like many things in our country the implementation phase is what is missing and i think that will take its own time but there needs to like i just keep coming back to this urgency piece and and getting you know our political leaders to understand that you know the mental health crisis is not just a soft you know thing that's there somewhere in the corner but it's also an economic drain on our country right it's 1 trillion dollars every single year and it's a serious concern so how do we you know act at the same level so i think institutionally there's stuff to be done there is the collaborations with ngos social entrepreneurs uh, civil society the lived experience people that needs to be done i think there's the awareness campaigns at the mass scale that we that we need and one of the biggest challenges that we have as a country is the demand supply gap right so we have one psychiatrist for 130000 people in the country you know and how is that gap ever going to become lesser you know just putting in more doctors is not going to help right so what are other scalable methods of mental health what are community models in small things that there are massively successful community level models that are there globally as well as in india in small pockets can we take that up can we scale that up across india you know the biggest thing that is there for anything to happen is investment right so look at it as investment in your infrastructure or you know just your social justice investment whatever it is you need to do 0.05% of your health budget is just not going to cut it we need money as social entrepreneurs as ngos as you know we need money to sort of scale up for the needs of the country and i think that's the number one thing the government can do which brings me to because you the organization that you set up yeah. why did you set it up and what does it do yeah so similar to my journey i think in the pandemic there was lots of external chaos right so you know there was the lockdown i couldn't travel there's lots of you know you could suddenly see this massive surge of mental health issues and crisis in the country and internally i suddenly was stable you know i also had a toddler who was <laughs> running circles around me but internally i felt very very stable and that was quite shocking and you know like it was quite quite a big achievement i thought and so i said yeah what there's something here that i feel i've done something that might be useful for other people out there you know so i went on that exploration journey which is what is my journey what has helped me can i replicate this and scale this up you know so one or two things that i thought worked really well and i think is you know prevalent for anyone is that my day job for the last 10 12 years has been focused on understanding myself you know i was doing it in a different context but that is the core of it i had to understand myself really really well you know so the inner work this thing of working self work was 
was there my entire career. The second thing was my wife, my colleagues, was they were really, you know, supportive, right? So the community element really was a big differentiator. And the third was kind of this thing I said about trying out different things, like, you know, knowing that it's a consistent journey. How do you build consistency? So I brought those three things together and I said, can we form something which is sort of community driven, so group driven, which gives you the consistency, which gives you the, you know, it's a longer term journey. It's not just a quick two two weeks kind of, a, you know, sessions of sorts, but focuses on your own journey as an individual. You know, the biggest thing that happens for people who deal with mental health issues is we feel disempowered. We feel like we are completely different people, right? So as because you, we want to show people that they are amazing, they are wise, they are creative, and, you know, there's a journey to do, to sort of come on, and we are there with them on the journey. So that's kind of how, you know, the idea hit, and that's how we started last year. I know you already talked a lot about uh, what those who who suffer from mental health issues can deploy as an approach and, you know, other things. But if you were to leave them with one message, what would that be? The message, again, is that all of us as human beings are enough as we are. You know, it might be that you are in deep emotional distress. It might be that you have a mental health issue. But that does not mean that you cannot live a full life. You know, so the message I want to give is all of us, even if you have a serious mental health issue, you can live a full life because you are amazing. You are just a wise, creative person. It's just hidden right now. Let's just uncover that, you know, approach it with a bit of lightness, approach it with a lot of focus, approach it as a journey, be gentle with yourself. But we can uncover that and we can you know, show you who you are as a person. So. That's my message. I just want everyone to know that, you know, we can do this together. And here's a question I ask all my guests, uh, Daniel, at the end of the conversation. Why do you do this work? The, I mean, it's back to that. I, I can see potential in every single person when I speak, you know. So especially in the community that we work with, we have about 45, 50 people in our community. And we work with about, you know, 500 other people in organizations and so on. People who are anxious or who have a mental health issue, there is so much potential and there's so much beauty in each person. And unfortunately, that gets hidden or that, you know, we are disempowered. And the reason why I do this work is because I think when, you know, we are allowed to be ourselves and, you know, know that we are amazing human beings, the world is just going to be an amazing place. Right? Imagine how much laughter, how much love, how much wisdom, how much, you know, creativity there can be in the world if all of us are functioning at that level. You know, it, it doesn't mean we have to all be CEOs of companies, but whatever it is that you aspire to be too, and, you know, makes you who you are, the essence of who you are, if it's unleashed on the world, it'll make a massive difference. So yeah, that's the why. Daniel, India isn't big on talking about mental health, so thank you for your frankness. I know it can't have been easy to talk about your own journey and what you went through. Mental health must become a priority area within the larger healthcare push. Only then can we see true progress on overall health indicators. Thanks, um, Ashraf, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Really enjoyed this. Um, for those of you, all the viewers who are going to listen to this, um, please, you can reach out to us at becauseyou.in. You can check out our Instagram handle. We've got tons of different programs coming up. 
And you know, if not because you, there are tons of other resources that you can go to. But if anyone wants to speak, I'm here. We can share maybe my email ID later on as well. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sure, Daniel, please send us your email ID. Yeah, it's, it's just daniel at becauseyou.in. You can just uh, email me there. Uh, or you can go on our website. It's www.becauseyou.in. And we have all our programs, our events, uh, our community blogs. Everything is there, so you can check it out there. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>